Hello, fellow deviants. This is the Deviation Positively Extraordinary podcast. I'm your host, Ash Hoden. Today, I will be talking with Samat Damanhori. She was uh, originally from Mecca, where she was raised in Saudi Arabia, and uh, recently was granted asylum in the United States. Uh, there is much to that story, and it's a very fascinating story, and she is a very incredible individual. Um, yeah, very inspiring person who has fought hard f- to live as she wants to live and speaks very eloquently about sticking to what inspires you in life, who you are, and standing up for that regardless of consequence. Uh, I felt very moved in talking with her, and it was uh, quite an honor to talk with somebody who has done so much to earn things that have come very easily to me just because of who I am and where I'm from. And uh, these kinds of conversations are why I like to do this. It's pretty incredible the stories that people have to tell, um, who you come across, uh, what they've gone through, what they believe, how they see the world. I'm constantly amazed, and that is really what it's all about. And uh, so talking with Sama was really great, actually. I guess that's the best way to say it. It was just something, it was a great experience for me. So I hope you guys feel the same in listening to our conversation. Yeah, so I, I won't speak too much more about that because uh, we cover it in the talk and uh, she's very eloquent about describing what she's gone through and why she's done it and why she uh, stood up for herself and, and for the rights of Saudi women and women across the globe, regardless of nationality. Aside from that, the next issue of the Deviation Print Magazine is in process at the printer's will be released within weeks and i'm very excited about it Uh, lots of great people also telling very great intimate stories um much like the one you will now hear on this episode of the podcast so with no further ado this is my conversation with sama So yeah. I'm all right. I'm gonna have to put yeah, these on just that. to make sure the sounds cool. Okay. Um, what was the process then? Applying for asylum. Yeah. Um. So you file an application and you wait for two years for an interview, and then you do the interview, and then you wait for like two to three, no, one year, one year and a half to hear an approval. But for me, I applied when I filed the application. I waited only for one year. My, my lawyer helped me to um, expedite my application. I had a good lawyer. Um, San Francisco is, by the way, number one place for applying asylum. It's really fast. Is it really? Yeah. 
Do you know why that is? Huh. But it's like number one. It's well known to all the immigrants that San Francisco is the place to apply for asylum. I wonder if that's um, just politically, it's a friendlier place. I think so. Yeah. I think so. We'll see. But mm. I thought it, LA would be the number one because there are a lot of Mexican cross the borders. But no, because it's, of a lot of Mexicans, it's really hard to apply for asylum in LA. Can you imagine? Like I have two friends uh, from Saudi Arabia and one has been rejected already. The other one ha- did the interview for more than a year and three months. She's been waiting. So Were they under the same circumstances uh, or different reasons for coming? No, same. Same. And one of them ran away, literally ran away. The other one, her husband abused her here in, in the U.S. and they deported him and they forced him to divorce her. Wow. So, yeah. But the one that was rejected, do you know why it would happen? You know, they what? say um, what she said was not as accurate as it's. it doesn't match what she wrote in her application. It's like, I don't know. She's blaming yeah. the translator. She doesn't speak English, but I don't know. Yeah. So right now she's, she's thinking of moving in here and go to a judge here. So Ah, uh, try, yeah, try it a different yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Okay, shall we start? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I know very little, really. I know that you're from Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Which area? Mecca, the holy place. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, um, I mean, life there, I'd imagine with the with it being the holy place is sort of distinct from the rest of Saudi Arabia or is it pretty Um, visiting Mecca is it's it's is as everyone know it's it's very religious place and it's um, uh, people are friendly and all of that but living there was a different story Um, so 13 years um, I lived in a petroleum city called Yambar. It's also in Mecca region. And then my sister, my oldest sister, got allergies from the smokes and all of that. Oh, yeah. So we needed to move out. So we went to my grandparents' house in Mecca. And then living there was so, so shocking because uh, after eight, people start drinking. And uh, women cannot leave the house after eight because there are a lot of guys who would kidnap them and rape them. There are a lot of gangsters. Um, people there are so um, aggressive, um, so dry emotion-wise. Um, my uncle wanted to rape me and my cousins. I mean, it's it's ugly. It's ugly when when you live in the city. Yeah, I I'd never had that image of how. Yeah, and be. you know, in Islam, no sex, no yeah. drinking, no smoking, no drugs. But you find it a lot there, and we have a lot of mixed parties in the houses, private private parties. Yeah. And all of that you can find it in Mecca. It's all behind closed doors. It's all behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. How did you? I don't know how. How did you sort of get this bigger picture of it? Because just I, living there, living there, going to houses, uh, meeting people, and then mingle, and you'll know everything. But does, does it feel like a normal way, or does it feel somehow... It feels like a normal way. Yeah. It's like so normal. It's just the way life is. It's just the way it is. Yeah. 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 Did you agree or disagree? Oh, or no. F- I, I disagreed. I was shocked. I went to the holy place a lot. I was praying. I was like, what is this? Like, I wanted to find an answer. 
And then I found out that the answer is not in the holy place. It's not in my family. It's not in anyone but me within me. Yeah. Yeah. How? Just over time, sort of Just thinking about time, it. Just over time, thinking about it. I did everything in a good way. I was just giving love. I was polite. I was, I was trying to be a really good Muslim yeah. woman, but it didn't work. I mean, they were they're just the same. So I was like, there is something wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, is it a matter of questioning faith or society or all, all of it? All of or? it. All of yeah. it. All of it. It's not about religion. Also, the culture. Is, is really messed up and the government is very corrupted so it's a lot of factors yeah yeah and are you sort of alone in your family and seeing it this way or other other people that... I was my mom and my um, my uncle's wives I mean they've been telling us a lot of stories that we should be careful from my father and his brothers and all of that but we didn't believe it at the beginning um, but I was the black sheep. I, I'm the first one who ran away. I'm the first one who started to speak about them. I'm the first one who applied for asylum. I'm the first one who did everything and realized how corrupted my family is. Yeah. I mean, I, I still cannot believe it. It's It only happens in movies. Like, there are a lot of things that they did to me living here and, and looking at it from outside. It's all lies. Yeah. It's all lies. No joking. Like, almost everything. So... Just the, about the cultural... A culture, living-wise, religion, yeah. um, life, money, um, status, uh, education, traveling, everything you can imagine. It was all just lies. And it was getting out and seeing it from an outside? Yes. That helped with Helped that? me a lot. Yeah. Helped me a lot. I've, I've found that in leaving the U.S. too, mm-hmm. that you look back and these ideas about being productive or yes. how you're supposed to live your life so much of it is just to prop the social structure up yes and it has no deeper meaning truth or, than that yes that it's yes. just how we do things yes yeah yes and so you have to kind of figure out how do i do things and when it's different from your society or your context how do i then operate in that way true yeah and true. so for you it was not possible no it's too no, it was constrained wrong. it was yeah. wrong once i do the different it's wrong yeah that's why i had to do it here yeah so what brought you here originally the fr- in the first visit so i applied for a, a scholarship to um, study through the saudi government they have a huge um scholarship um, for all the people who have um, high GPAs. And we have a lot of students actually in Saudi Arabia. So I, I applied and I got accepted. And uh, my father told me if I want to come here, I should find a husband or a male companion because women cannot travel, cannot work, cannot study without a male permission or a male companion. So the actual male, we call they call him the mahram. So the male has to accompany the woman all the time. Like even outside of Saudi Arabia. That's the religion. That's what it says in the Quran. And this would be like going to classes with you? and Yeah, the... he, can, he can be outside. That's, that's what the Quran says. But yeah, it's, and then there is the Hadith, which is the Prophet saying, says where he modified that. And he said, you know, if it's not necessarily, then the male companion doesn't have to be all, all the time with the woman. 
but my father was like no you have to find a male companion so I was looking first through within the family like relatives uncles um, extended family if anyone can come with me and it was really hard and at the beginning at the same time I was getting proposal marriage proposals uh, but I was just scared I was just scared yeah. I, I, because I've been my my father is a very aggressive man and and everyone is, is scared of him even in the family even though he's not the oldest nor the youngest but he was always the one who gives orders to everyone mm-hmm. and his job is um he's a very powerful man even in his job so me breaking that was so big and it was not easy and whenever i get a marriage proposal he used to force me to say yes and he used to he used to tell people that she agreed but i did not and I felt that I was living in a prison with my father's in my father's house, and I felt that I'm gonna put myself in another prison if I get married. So I was not even convinced about the idea of getting married back then when I was 23. Yeah. Um. So and then I found my mother's uncle. He said that he's willing to come here with me in the U.S., but he cannot come at the moment when I was traveling 2014. He said if you can go there, stay there for a year. Um, I'll finish whatever I have here in Saudi Arabia and then I can come and stay with you. Uh, why I came to the U.S.? Because my sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, they were here in San Jose. Um, she was here in um, English language school and she was trying to find a university acceptance. Um, so my father was okay about the idea that I should live around her since she's with her husband. Ah, uh, yes. And then so he can take care of her and myself. And uh, until this uh, mother's uncle uh, would come and, and be with me. What happened is my sister couldn't find a university acceptance. After three months of my arrival, she went back to Saudi. And her ca- his scholarship has been canceled because she couldn't find university acceptance. Ah. So my father went crazy. Because of now you being or alone. both? Because me being alone. No, yeah. no, he was not angry at her. Now he's so angry. He thinks that I planned all that and I was like acting and I my plan is to run away and stay here, which was not the plan at the beginning. Yeah. And then um uh so he ordered me to go back home and get married and then I'll do whatever I wanted, but I said no. I told him I'll stay here, finish my masters and then I'll go home, I'll do whatever you want. Culturally speaking, disobeying a male order especially if it's a father or husband it's it's gonna make him look like um i'm not gonna say it but it's a p word like yeah yeah. he's not a man and and he he got even angrier and i told you already his position is the man if he asks for something or if he orders something we have to follow yeah that's like always always like a fact a general fact for everyone not only myself and my sisters but everyone in the family the father's so, word is law. Yes, long. yes. So that was huge. He got so pissed off. And then um, two years after that, I heard that my family were traveling to Egypt. And I missed them more than anything in life. Um, so I booked a ticket and I went to Egypt. I couldn't go back to Saudi Arabia because if I go back, my father will, ne- will never give me a permission to cross the border of Saudi again. Yeah. So I was very cautious about that. And I, I was determined that I'm going to finish my master's and then I'll go home. So when I, before I went to Egypt, I wrote the animation story, the animated story that right now I turned it into an animation company. And right now I have a team and we are turning it into an animated movie. What is it called? 
Medina papel. Medina is an Arabic word for paper. Papel, mm -hmm. Spanish for... Uh, no, Medina is an Arabic word for city. Papel is Spanish for paper, so city of papers. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So I wrote this story before I went to Egypt. I, I just... I, and, I, and I wrote a happy ending for this story. I was just like predicting a happy ending for myself. And I thought my father would be okay about the idea that I'm fighting for my education. Um... Uh, and I, all I wanted is to show to my family, even though I'm different, within two years I change, I'm no longer Muslim, I'm no longer wearing like, you know, hijab or anything. Like, I, I, I really changed. Yeah. I, I completely changed. I became a new person. Is, do you think a lot of that's being on your own? Sort yeah, of, being on my own. Even um, defying your family is a big move, you know? Defying my family, learning new culture, learning yeah. a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of things. And um, living in Saudi Arabia for 23 years, almost everything was done for me. I was not even allowed to think. Can you imagine? If yeah. I sit in my room and if I decide something and then I, I go and tell my father, my father, I decided to like learn a new language. He would get really angry. So he learning really, is discouraged. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he used to be really, really angry. Like I'm not allowed even to think for myself. Um, at, the, at the same time, our... I've heard in the past of different situations, not specific to Saudi Arabia, but in contexts that are similar to that, where regardless of that, the women tend to be the more educated anyways. Yes. Yeah. Is true. that true? That true. The women in your family are the, are the more educated? The, true. Yeah. True. Yeah. And so there's... A we have nothing else but to read and educate ourselves. Yeah. That's all we do. Um so the story of the animation story is, is just to show to my family, even though I'm different, I'm, I'm, I'm colorful, but I still carry the same love and respect for them. Um, is, that's pretty great. I think yeah. that's a great message. Yeah, yeah. And I wanna, I just wanted them to accept the change, the new me. But when I went to Egypt, ugly things happened. My father bit me. He bit you? <laughs> oh yeah, he pulled my hair. He dragged me like that on the floor from this. There was a, we were at a suite. So from the living room to one of the bedrooms and he bit me. And he said that I'm a liar and I'm a cheater. And I, 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 I betrayed him. And whenever I look him in the eye and I say, it's not true, he would get anger and he would bit me harder. So wow. I let him do whatever he wanted. And then, uh, but then after that, that was the first day in Egypt. And then I stayed there for five days. We were like different two groups, like uh, people hang out with my father and people hang out with my mother. So I was with my mother all the time. And then he let me come back here in the U.S. after my trip. And when I came back here on January 18th, uh, within three or two Three or four days it was the start date for my master's degree at Notre Dame de Namur in Belmont and um, uh, after a week from that I got a call from the Saudi government uh, saying Sama your father called us and canceled the scholarship and this is by law by religion in Saudi Arabia that's totally fine so the male guardian he can say yes today and within an hour he can change his mind and say no and we have to follow that so when you when you said he let you go even though you were in Egypt he could have no he he could have he could have um reported me to the saudi embassy in egypt and they, and they could held my passport and he could have done that but he didn't think about it so you that back then 
So even though you were meeting them outside of Saudi Arabia, still, there's because still it's a, a Middle risk. Eastern. Yes, yeah. it was very risky what I did. Yeah. It was very risky, and I'm glad that he did not think about it back then. But today he regrets it. He's like, why didn't I? Get exactly. It? Yeah. He said that to the NPR, by the way. I had an interview with the NPR, and they needed to talk to my dad, and he said that to the NPR. Really? Her, her name is Deborah Amos. Um, he told her if um, if uh, if time goes back, I would never let her leave. If I ever meet her again, I'll never. I'll I'll, I'll make sure that I'll take her back with me to Saudi. Whoa. Yeah. Was so in the two years between those when you first came and stayed, despite not having the guardian and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. was there a lot of tension then were you not oh yeah in communication? yeah we, we stopped contacting after three months of my arrival as simple yeah. as that he stopped talking to me he refused to talk to me but he kept it to himself uh but once i went to egypt he just went crazy and canceled the scholarship and and you but you would then speak with other members of your family it's, it's oh yeah i i was uh, still talking to my mom to my siblings to my aunties and uncles um his brothers and sisters uh, even my mom's uh side his her brothers and sister i was in touch with almost everyone but then after canceling the scholarship i called his mother right away and i was like help me because her mother i mean his mother helped me a lot she's she's always on our side and whenever he wanted to beat us we always call her and we're like, help, like, look what your son is doing. And she always on our side. Um, even when I applied for the scholarship, it took me a year and a half to convince him and come here. Uh, one of the main reasons why he was okay about me coming here without a husband or a male companion is his mother. She, she was very supportive of that. And religiously, religiously speaking, if he disobey any orders from his mother, it's like he's going to go to hell or something and he has going to have a lot of sins and stuff. So he had to follow her, her orders. I didn't so, realize that. Yeah. So when I called her and when he canceled the scholarship and I called her, she was very, very sick. It was like her last days. She was crying when I, I was crying and I was like, look what your son did to me. I don't have money. I don't have house. I have nothing. I have no scholarship. What should I do right now? Uh, she said, I'll talk to him. So she told him, if you don't get her her scholarship back, you're not my son. Get out of the house. So he sent a fax right away to the Saudi embassy in Washington. He said, I'm Okay for her Whoa. staying there without a male guardian but they said i'm sorry it's not like that you have to come here in washington sign papers uh to like say i'm okay but he texted me and he said i'll never do that for you wow um and then i started to look for another male guardian who can come here and sign these papers and his brother my uncle uh who volunteered he wanted to come here and sign the papers in washington and only one thing in return that he should sleep with me I was I was wondering because you had mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, before he canceled the scholarship, I used to live in San Francisco for two years, um, and I had three cousins, first cousins, like they're for five blocks away from me, but they never got in touch with me. Whenever I talk to them, they don't respond or anything. Once they heard that my father canceled the scholarship, they get they got back they reach out to me saying like things as if they are making fun of me they'll never make it here and by the way all of them right now it's it's back home in saudi one of them just finished his bachelor the other two they couldn't even finish their education um anyways so uh, they had kind of sided with your father essentially not my father's side it's just like like um okay so your scholarship has been canceled what are you going to do like are you going to beg yeah. money or what are you, how are you going to like pay for your school i was like i don't know 
How did you, actually? So, the university, when they heard... So, I went right away to my supervisor at the university. And and she's like, you're going to finish your master's. And we're going to do that. Um, And then she spoke to the... uh, president no vice president of the university and then they offered me a job as a student assistant at the university at the same time they said we're going to give you a year do whatever like go find finding do whatever you can to like pay at least half of what you own the university right now so i was going to business events i was trying to network meet people but they're like businessmen there who were like we're willing to do that but you have to have to open your legs it was it was it was ugly mm-hmm. i still yeah i still i believe we're still living in males males world oh yeah yeah i mean once they know that there is a woman living alone has no male support at all they are willing to touch yeah the, even if they are really good this is american Seriously. men too right oh, like yeah. The, the, oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah american indians um, it was a lot and then by the end of 2016 I went to some my surprise I was like you know what it's I couldn't find a way to pay for my tuition I think I'm gonna drop off right now I'm gonna apply for asylum I'm gonna like uh, you know be a, a normal immigrant find a job and then whenever I have enough money I'll come back because I was um, I was under a student visa and so I'm not allowed to work I'm mm-hmm. not allowed to get loan I'm not allowed to like even find a way to get money um, but and and then within that um i already went to the catholic workers house larry purcell um heard about my story and he was in the um so catholic workers house they have houses all over the states so they help people like me they give them housing food um transportation um just for the for people like me to start getting money and saving money so we can be stable and then we can live on ourselves um, so when I got in touch with him, um, and I told him I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the university, he said, no, you're not. And he started to talk to people and he found me 10 business owners. Sorry. It's okay. He found me 10 business owners. They paid the tuition at the university. They paid like 90% of the tuition. And then I, I had the pleasure to meet Manala Sharif. Manala Sharif is the, the first Saudi woman who drove a car and she wrote a book called, uh, Daring to Drive and became... Yeah. Do you know her? So she also paid a little bit of my tuition. Um, That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And then Powerhouse Gym at Redwood City, they offered free boxing classes to take the stress out. Seriously? Yes. And then uh, Putnam Buick and Bill Smarvel and another organization, they put up a gift of a car and they gave me that car. And uh, with mechanic, with maintenance. So I have a mechanic. Seriously. Whenever the car dies, they fix it for free. That is great. And I change the oil every every ten mile every ten thousand miles for free. Yeah. They take care of the car. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after a year of living at the Catholic workers' house, I I started getting um, uh, panic attacks. So I went to Larry and his wife Ronnie Purcell, um, and. And they asked me, if you look outside, what do you see? And I was like, I think I need help. Because I started to see, even the people who are helping me, that they are my enemies. I was like, this is not normal. I'm not okay. Um, and I used sometimes to like 
feel that I'm out of breath and I don't I don't want to stay in any any place that has roofs I need to be outside I need to be like outside until like I'm really sleepy and then I come and sleep like a baby after drinking and smoking and then um sorry no that's fine I can completely understand that yeah I mean it's a lot of pressure to yeah to come and make a life you know yeah within two years (laughs) yeah yeah with I mean yeah no support really no support zero support yeah my mother also blocked me everywhere everyone abandoned me except my siblings by the way everyone just like you're not gonna make it whatever you're doing is wrong um we're not supporting you goodbye everyone everyone so uh, larry purcell called um sandy lily she's a a therapist and uh, she's a very popular one in redwood city she's she won 2015-16 best therapist in redwood city she also won the best motherhood environment or something in the whole u.s or something she's she's a really great therapist and he called her and he said, you got to see this girl. She said, I'm busy. I can't do it. I can't do anything for free. I'm really fully booked. He said, no, I insist. You have to meet her. Wow. So I went and met her. And, and she said, because she really, really, really respect Larry. Larry's like the hero in the house of Sandy Lily. Yeah. So I met her. And after two weeks, after two sessions, she sent an email to Larry. She said, thank you for sending me this girl. And then after... Um, 10 sessions with her, all free. She said, Sama, um, I, I feel that I want to help you and I want you to come and live in my house. And I feel that you're becoming part of my family um, and I want to take care of you. So she gave me a room in her house. Um, so I lived in Emerald Hills, which is a part of Redwood City, like the hills of Redwood City. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then I met the neighbors, Nassim Faria, she's from Iran, and Michael, her husband. Um, and because Sandy is so busy, like really, really occupied, like 100% occupied, uh, but she tried her best to be there for me whenever I'm down. And and then, um, but I know that she's really busy. So, and I, I, I still, you know, I was, I was like letting go a lot of things and I come from a really different culture, like totally different. The way I've been raised, the way I I, I function, the way I do things is totally different. So I needed, I needed a lot of support. A lot of people who like tap on me and said, you're okay. You're okay. Until like, um, I'm able to stand up on my feet and say like, you know what? I got it. Yeah. So in a scene, when she heard about my story, she said, you know what? From today on, you wake up from Sandy's house to my house. I make breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything else you need. So, um, oh, and Terry, Sandy's husband, every morning I have oatmeal ready for me. That is so amazing. Yeah, he's so supportive as well. And by the way, Terry is a tech guy. He's one of the engineers who... um, he was one of the engineers who invented the touchscreen. Yeah. He's, he's also one of the people who suggested the clouds and, and saving stuff and all of that. And he's also a very busy man, but he made sure that I have oatmeal every morning. I wake up, I have an oatmeal ready for me, even when I got a job. So I used to get the oatmeal by 7 a.m. But when I get a job, I used to wake up by 6, six and then I leave by 6.30. So he used to wake up late night, like 3 a.m. to cook the oatmeal so I can have it ready when I wake up. 
Wow. And then... <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. They are, they are very cool people. They're very, very cool people. And do then... You, do you feel that when you kind of take risks like that and put yourself out into the world that it generally is a friendly place? Oh, yeah. That people... That that's... Oh, yeah. It's normally a friendly response somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's not somehow. It's it's certain. It just is. Yeah. 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 You got to be honest. Yeah. You got to be you no matter what. Yeah. How did Is that something that you kind of have known always? Yeah. Or did it come through time? No, I've I've known it for a very very long time, but it was not easy. It was hard at the beginning, of course, to just let it out. Yeah. But I was just listening to my inner voice yeah. every time, every time. And whenever my parents were like, "No," I used to cry and jump like on the floor, like, "Why?" Yeah. Just tell me, give me a reason, convince me, because it doesn't make sense here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. It's it's different between knowing and acting as yes. well. Yes. Yes. Because you can understand yes. it, but you. To really take the steps and yes. sort of yes. walk out on the cliff. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, and then I, I started to network more and then I met Roseanne. And uh, do you know Roseanne? Like the comedian? Roseanne. No, Roseanne, uh, Dale's friend. Oh, no. I, I've, I only met Dale that one time. Actually, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. wow. I, Oh, so Roseanne introduced me to Dale, by the way. Oh, cool. And she came that day to make sure that we've, we've been introduced. Yeah. She's one yeah. of my supporters as well. So her house is always open for me. Um, she's teaching me uh, horseback riding. We swim together. We travel together. Uh, whenever I'm really down, I can just go and crash in at her place. Um, she's like, everyone is just really supportive. Whenever I need anything and I ask for it, I they, they do it for me. Just happens. All the people that I mentioned. Wow. Really, really, really. Is, is Roseanne involved with the Jurassic residency? Or is she no, more of just a friend of Dale? No, she's just an old friend of Dale. Yeah. She knows him for a, a, a while. Cool. Yeah. What were, you, what were you studying, by the way? Your master's? Creative writing. Ah, cool. So writing the, the script was that... Part of, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fictional story. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I wrote this fictional story. And then by January 2017, I just saw a meetup group um, that they say they do animation. And then I pitch in with my story. And then they loved it. And then um, people, they, so there was a group of people working on it. And then they started to leave. And I was like, no, but I'm not going to give up on the story. Since there are people interested in making it animation, it means it's going to happen. And then I started my own team. Wow. So right now I've been working on the animation project for a year and three months, four months, since January 2017. So yeah. Yeah. And right now I have a solid team and I have an entertainment lawyer and I did the LSC for it. And I own the story of Medina Papel and uh, recently Rogue Mark uh, Animation Studio in Berkeley. They are interested. So right now the actual animation is happening. We've been like for a year, we're doing the pre-production, but right now the production is happening. And that's why I met Dale, because right now we need investors, we need people who can fund the project. Um, the good thing also about the project is a lot of people, they just come once they hear the story and they were like, we just want to help. Even though I say I don't have money right now, they were like, we just want to be part of the project. That's and great, then people yeah. come in, they, they, they do some stuff and then they leave. As simple as that. And I started to build, build, build until right now I have animatics 
illustrations, um, uh, storyboards, story artist. Um, I have a producer and a producer assistant. And right now, recently, what's her name? Emily Lendit. She's the creator of the movement, the Unslot movement. Um, it's like a while ago. She's she's been talking everywhere. And when she heard the project, she wants to pitch in. Right now, she wants to help us with marketing, um, advertising, um, doing the budget. She's also getting her friend with us. Uh, Sahar organization. It's the first. Uh, it's the it's a, a an organization that banned the virginity test in Afghanistan. Oh wow! Yeah. And then right now, they want us to be under their umbrella. We're still discussing that. What was the movement? The uns. Unslut. What What is it? Um, she's an American woman who's um, used to be bullied uh, when she was 13, 12, I don't remember. Um, and they used to call her a slut. Whoa. And then she was going to commit suicide twice, I think. Um, but then she changed and she, she made this movement, like stop calling women sluts. And it made a huge impact to wow. women here in the U.S., yeah yeah and she's from the bay area as well she's she lives here yeah she's from yeah. the bay area we still didn't meet in person but we've been in touch for a while yeah and she's waiting for her part when it's ready to pitch and and be part of the project but we always keep her posted that uh, we're doing this we reached that point she's like okay great um we started also another marketing campaign where I, I, I write just quotes about my life and what I things that I believe in and she's part of that she's making sure that everything is is looks good um, and I'm also writing a memoir about uh, a collection of personal essay about my life story because I also there are producers in LA uh, like uh, the producer of movie Lion I told mm-hmm. him um, they're interested in making my life into future films so they want me to finish the book uh, they want me to learn directing and then um, I'm gonna write a script out of the book and then we'll see what's gonna happen. But um, the movie, the feature film movie, I'm thinking that it's not gonna be only about me. I'm, I'm hoping if we can write it about the Saudi movement and what's going on right now. So that's not only my story. Like for example, these Saudi women that I know and one Saudi guy that I know in Denver. So if we can do that, that would be great. But I know it's gonna be a long process, a, long, a big project, but Sounds you know, like little by little. Yeah. Writing the book is first. You, you've, uh, got, you've got a lot going. Yeah. A lot of things going on, and um, uh, so I finished my master's end of twenty seventeen, and I graduated by May fifth this year, and then I started. Uh, I was able to get a work authorization through the student visa, which called the OPT, and um, and I got a job right now. That's um, great. Yeah. So. Is, I was going to ask you, um, is there a movement picking up in Saudi Arabia? Sort of like a women's rights Yeah, yeah, push? yeah. We have uh, popular hashtags, Stop Enslaving Saudi Women. And uh, I am my own guardian. Uh, Saudi women driving. Uh, and, and right now, Saudi's only outlet is Twitter. This is on, their only way to express their feelings and what's going on in Saudi. Every, everything else is everything censored else or is blocked. Everything else is censored or blocked or not a lot of people have accounts and in, in, in the specific social media. But Twitter is their best place to talk. Like we know everything about through Twitter. Wow. That. And we heard recently that uh, the prince might uh, 
block Twitter. Stop that. Yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. But that's it. Wow. No, that's, <laughs> it's, you really have a lot going on. I do. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's very humbling to hear all of what you've done to be here and to be able to live your life the way you want. Thank you. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I appreciate you coming to talk with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I I really would like to see the, the film when it comes out. The animation? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's full, full yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. addition to working. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, keep me posted. I and, will. Yeah. Thank you very much You're for welcome. talking with me too. You're welcome.